preserve and pass on memories with StoryWorth, the most meaningful gift for your family. Sign up today by going to storyworth.com forward slash brain. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com forward slash brain for $20 off. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. So glad you are here. Thank you for joining me today. If you're listening on the Sunday that this comes out, which is, what, 12-1-2019, and you've celebrated Thanksgiving, then I am here to say Happy Thanksgiving. If you didn't celebrate Thanksgiving, I still love you. <laughs> because Thanksgiving is a very specific holiday to certain parts of the world, and so it doesn't mean you have to celebrate it. But I still love you. I still appreciate you. I'm still glad you're listening and uh, if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. I don't always say I love you to everyone. <laughs> In fact, this might be the first time I've said I love you to you. But it's true. There's love coming from me to you. What does this mean? I think if you're not tuning out by now, it means that I want to share with you my presence. I want to connect with you. I want to be with you in a way that's meaningful because this show is kind of geared toward people who aren't with other people. This episode, I should say, not the whole show, but this particular episode is geared toward you if you spend time alone. And I mean, a lot of time. Like I got an email recently from someone who spent a lot of time alone and they're kind of tired of being single. This may or may not be you. But if you're tired of being single, uh, you might resonate with some of the stuff I talk about in here. Um, or if you've just been alone for a long time and you don't mind being alone, but it would be nice if you could have someone to relate to, someone to connect with. I totally get that. I, I think what I'm going to do in this particular episode is talk to people out there that either feel alone or are alone or want someone to connect with, or be with, or be friends with, or be romantic with, be in a relationship with. Um, and even if you're not alone, sometimes you're with someone and you feel alone. I could tell you many times in my own relationship, there are times, not many, but there are some times that I've felt alone. Not because we never got along. Yeah, sometimes we'll have our spats or our arguments. Sometimes feelings will be hurt. Sometimes things happen and we're not on the same wavelength. And this is perfectly normal. You know, I, I study human behavior and communication, romantic relationships. 
I not only study it, I live what I study. I, I teach and learn from everything I study about and actually apply it to my own life and my own relationships. And I still get stuck in the funk of arguments and debate and disagreements. And there are things that happen that we just simply can't avoid because we're different people. And different people are going to have differences. And differences are okay. You just kind of have to meet somewhere in the middle and say, okay, you know what? I understand that you're different from me and I'm different from you. Uh, hopefully, we can get on the same page of what I just said was misunderstood or how I just explained it what, uh, wasn't the best way to explain it. So let me explain it again. And an interesting thing happened yesterday. This is very similar to what I'm talking about now is uh, my girlfriend said something to me and she was on the phone with uh, the bank and she was asking me the question, do you need your account number or something like that? Do you have your account number? Do you need your account number? And I was like, um, what do you mean? Do I have my account number? Of course I have my account number. And I think she said, well, do you, do you have it or do you need it? And I was thinking, what do you mean? Do I need it? No, I don't need an account number for my business. She goes, no, I'm asking if you need the account number. I, I couldn't understand what she was saying. I was thoroughly confused and she was getting really ticked off or at least her frustration was coming through in her voice. And she was on the phone with the bank person and she finally just hung up. And I said, you know, that was really rude to be rude in front of somebody else with me. And she couldn't understand because she didn't think that I was getting it or she didn't think I understood what she said or that I was just being stupid. I don't know how it evolved, but it evolved somehow into hurt feelings. I had hurt feelings. I'm being transparent on the air right now. I had hurt feelings that she would be so frustrated at me in front of somebody else. I was embarrassed. I, I told her I, I'm embarrassed and humiliated that you would like yell at me over the phone in front of somebody else. It makes me feel small. It makes me feel like you're putting me down like a child. And of course, that wasn't her intention. She did not intend that, but I didn't feel like an equal in that moment. I felt suddenly alone. I felt like unsupported and I didn't have anyone to turn to. I was by myself. And so again, feelings were hurt and we went to our separate rooms and she came back and she apologized and she said, you know, I have to be careful because sometimes I just assume that you're not listening and not understanding because of something in you when I have to be careful how I ask you things because you think differently than me. And I thought, wow, that's amazing that I have someone in my life that will apologize about something like that and not hold a grudge, not give me the silent treatment, will actually come to me and say, you know, I'm sorry about how that went down. I'm really sorry. And that was a heartfelt apology. And it's not easy to do that when you believe you're right about something. But she really took the time and thought about it. And it was very touching to me. And I, and I said, thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, I don't think I said thank you. <laughs> it's just I was very touched myself. And, you know, because I didn't want to be upset. And she didn't either. We live together. We're going to be together, hopefully, for the rest of our lives. And we, we don't want to keep this tension or stress between us. And I, I think it's very important 
when something comes up like that and you get upset at another person, it, I think it's very important to try to find the resolution as fast as possible. And that's what we did. I was, I was hurt and she came to me and she apologized. And then we got a chance to talk about it and she figured out what she did that she could do differently. And I also figured out that what I could do differently to respond in a way that helped her understand that I didn't understand. So who knows why she got frustrated so quick, maybe because she wanted to get the person off the phone and she thought she was wasting that person's time doesn't really matter. But when we talked about it, we came to an understanding. And I think that's a great way to look at relationships in general. Any type of relationship is that when there is a misunderstanding, when there is a miscommunication, you chalk it down to a miscommunication. You don't chalk it down to that person must be stupid or that person just doesn't understand because uh, they're not listening. You have to be really careful how you put someone else down or label them or blame them for not doing something right when really you can zoom out a little bit and say, you know what, let's just chalk this up to a miscommunication. How can I better communicate with you and how can you better communicate with me? I swear, if you're a couple listening to this show right now, this is going to save your relationship because it really does help that instead of both of you pointing the finger at each other saying, you're not getting this. You don't understand. You don't get me. Uh, you're too stupid. You need to figure it out. If you can't understand me, then you know it's your fault. I think when we point the finger like that, we don't get anywhere and it's just more hurt feelings. And sometimes we just kind of swallow those things and go on and then nobody ever talks about it. Like the relationship goes on and you store these repressed emotions, this anger, and it goes on and on and on. And again, coming back to what I was saying, when you store that stuff inside of you, the anger, the, the frustration, the irritation with someone else, you start to feel more and more alone. So it's not just people that are alone that feel alone. People in relationships can feel alone too, even in good ones. I think I have a great relationship and there are times where we both will feel alone. There'll be hurt feelings. There'll be anger or upset or something that happened that was misunderstood. And in the moment, it's hard because we're both triggered. We, we both want to protect ourselves. You know, when you're emotionally triggered, you want to protect yourself and you're not necessarily ready to give in and say, okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm so sorry. It doesn't and maybe shouldn't always go that way because you don't want to just give in all the time. You both want to be able to walk away less scathed, less emotionally wounded. And it's hard to do that because you will find each other's triggers. Our relationships are our mirrors and those mirrors reflect what we need to work on in ourselves. And so when the mirror shows us our anger, we know that there must be something going on in us that we need to work on. Unless there's something that is genuinely something to be angry about. If someone you know, someone you love, someone you care about hurts you in some way, then you might have a reason for genuine anger. So this isn't to invalidate or dismiss emotions that you really have a right to have. It's not about that. It's about making sure that you address those emotions, communicate with the other person so that you don't feel alone. It feels so lonely 
when you're unable to communicate. I just know there are many, many thousands of people that are listening to this right now saying, yes, that's exactly right. It is so lonely because I can't communicate with this person. Whether it's because I can't communicate in a way that they understand, or I can't communicate because they just don't want to listen, or they have something against me, or they have anger or fear, and they haven't gotten over something that we talked about 10 years ago, and it, we just can't get past it. These things can make us lonely. And being alone, sometimes people love it, and sometimes people hate it, and sometimes people are sad for a long time because they don't feel loved. They don't feel connection, kinship with anyone. They just feel like there's nothing that they can do to make friends or make partners, romantic partners. They just go on with life. And if that's you, I'm talking to you. I love you. <laughs> I'm saying that not in a weird way, like, I don't want to hear that from another guy. I mean, somebody might say that. Or I might. I don't want to hear that from some stranger if you're new to the show. But I think it's important to come to a place of acceptance inside yourself that you do have qualities that are lovable. You are capable of being friends, of being in a romantic relationship. You are fully capable because we're all built that way. It's just that sometimes we surround ourselves with people that don't see the greatness in us. I said something like that in uh, my recent newsletter. Sometimes we don't have the people around us that reinforce how great we are. Because you are great. You are amazing. You should feel good about being you. And then when I hear, yeah, Paul, I did so many bad things and I hurt this person and I did something unforgivable and I don't know if I can get past that and my mom told me that I was stupid and my dad said that I would never amount to anything. Yeah, there's a lot of hurt people out there that definitely have a narrow perception of what reality is. I absolutely agree. I don't agree with their words. I just agree that there are people out there that will say that to us, that will say that to you. And when they say that to you, all they're doing is taking the hurt out of them and putting it on you so that they don't have to feel it inside themselves. And that's something to keep in mind. You know, when you have people in your life that insult you, put you down, make you feel small or inferior, these are all people that have that inside themselves. And they don't want to feel that. And instead of working on resolving those unresolved emotions instead of working on healing themselves they'd rather just throw it at you and let you deal with it and that makes them feel better that makes them feel good knowing that they're better than you it's awful when i even say this out loud it's just people that do this kind of thing it's just mean it's not a healthy behavior and people do this all the time I mean, how many dysfunctional people do we know? How many toxic people do we know that do this to us? We wonder why sometimes we end up alone. Sometimes it's a choice. We don't want to deal with people that are toxic or dysfunctional. We just want to be away from them. And then we just assume that the rest of the world is like that too. So I don't want to be around anyone. And my mom was in a relationship for over 40 years with an alcoholic abuser. And he was awful. 
And when she got out of that relationship, she never wanted a relationship ever again. She didn't even want to be with anyone. She didn't want a companionship. She hardly wanted friendship. She just thought, you know what? I'm okay with these few family members that I get along with. That's all I need. That's all I want. That's all I need. Because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of throwing this out there as a guess, but I really believe that she had reached her threshold with having someone in her life that she generalized how that felt with anyone in the world. She just wanted to get away and be alone because she had no real quality alone time uh, with herself for 40 years. And so she generalized what it's like to be with someone and she took that generalization and decided to be alone for quite a number of years before she met someone else. And I think I've told you this on the, on the air before, but she met someone else at 74. <laughs> so she's out there in the world doing her thing, going to thrift stores, going to yard sales, enjoying her life, being herself. And someone saw her one day and said, wow, I, I'd really like to meet this person. She's funny. She's energetic. You know, I'm putting words in his mouth here, but I imagine this is what he did when he saw her. And when he saw her again, he asked her out. And uh, my mom told me this story and I was like, mom, someone asked you out in a parking lot? <laughs> and she said, yes, uh, he saw me at this one place once and then he saw me in the parking lot and he, and he just had to ask me out. And I thought, wow, what's he like? What, what's going on here? Because I don't know you with anyone else. Even when I was born, my father and her got divorced when I was one. So I never knew my parents as a couple. The only person I knew that my mom was with was my stepfather. So when someone else asked her out, I was shocked. Not because I didn't think it was possible, but because I didn't know she even wanted another relationship. And she didn't either. And being alone for all these years after her and my stepfather split, it was just mind-blowing. And of course, I don't know her as being with anyone else. So I had to get used to that. But at the same time, I was thrilled. After all, she was ready to be alone for the rest of her life because she did not see any benefit to companionship. And sometimes that can happen too. We're alone for so long because we don't want these toxic or dysfunctional people in our life because we don't see any benefit to companionship. So let's not even go there. And the reality is there's billions of people on the earth and there's tons and tons of benefit to companionship. And if you've been holding back or holding out, because you're so worried about toxic or dysfunctional people, then you might be missing something. You might be. I'm not saying you are. Everyone has their own path, and sometimes you want to, and sometimes you don't. If you're perfectly happy alone, more power to you. If you would consider a relationship, if it was a nice person, then you're probably like a lot of us, that I would absolutely get into a relationship if it was a nice person. But I keep attracting the not nice people. I hear that too. I keep attracting the wrong people. I get that totally. My girlfriend did that for many years. Before we met, uh, she told me about some of the people that she attracted. And she realized the more people I connect with, go out with, date, the more people I'm with, the more I realize that there are no good catches. There's nobody out there. She actually came to the decision that she was going to be alone for the rest of her life because everyone that she brought into her life turned out to be someone that wasn't the best match, wasn't compatible. 
I won't give you all the nightmare stories. Some of them are nightmares, but they just didn't work out. And she just figured, well, there must not be a good selection out there. So I'm just going to be okay being single. And she was for a few years until we met. And then she realized, hey, you meet a lot of my criteria, if not 98% of it. Uh, I think this is going to be good. And ever since then, it has been good. But some people will hear that and go, well, that's luck. You know, you just happen to meet. And I don't think so. I think where I go with that is what I had to do and what she had to do before we met. And I'm going to slip a little bit into the spiritual side of this stuff. Don't worry, I won't go too far if you're not into this kind of stuff. But I really believe that once you heal the stuff going on inside of you, all the unresolved negative emotions, anything you're holding on to, any hatreds, any anybody that you can't get out of your mind, anyone you can't let go of in a negative way, anything that comes up for you that makes you feel bad in some way, that it does not feel good when you think about it, that probably needs healing. And I've noticed in myself, anything like that that I haven't addressed will often be one of the big conflicts in any relationship I get into. Well, I haven't addressed that in myself, but that's in me, so I don't have to worry about it in this relationship. No. <laughs> what happens is it comes up in the relationship because guess who is going to reflect it back to you? Anything you don't heal in yourself or don't work on, I mean, because sometimes it's hard to heal. Maybe you can't heal, but hopefully you're always working on it. And if you don't heal it, if you don't continue working on yourself, it gets reflected in the relationship. And because of that, the relationship experiences tension, stress, and you find that maybe you're not compatible because you can't get past this one thing, or that person doesn't understand, or you don't understand, and you just end up not being happy or feeling alone. And the reason I mentioned slipping into the spiritual aspect of things is because you might ask, well, okay, you heal, you work on yourself and you heal. She works on herself, you know, talking about my girlfriend, for example, she works on herself and she heals. And how do you meet? How do you know that you're a healed person that is suddenly going to connect with another healed person? How does that work? How are the dots connecting here? How do you meet someone a thousand miles away that has healed and you've healed as well and it could make a really great relationship, but how do you connect? How do you know that person a thousand miles away is the one for you and has healed? Yes, very good questions. These are the kinds of questions that I may not have the answers to. All I know is that S like this happens. I mean, crap. Crap like this happens. It really does. This stuff happens. I have one client that went to some really high-profile colleges, smarter than anyone that I know. And he was telling me how, as analytical as he is, he cannot explain some of the stuff that has happened that just seems to have some sort of spiritual or cosmic aspect to it that he can't figure out. And I've come to accept that there are things that I cannot explain in my life that I'm going to do anyway, just in case it's true. And that helps me keep some of the magic in my life. Now, if you're an atheist, I'm not trying to tread on that. And if you're completely religious and you know God is everything and doing everything, you know, I'm not treading on anyone's beliefs here. 
what I'm doing is focusing on one little aspect of life that may or may not be true that just seems to work out when you adopt it as some sort of possibility. And that possibility is when you work on yourself, and this is why I always tout self-compassion and self-love, when you work on yourself, when you work on healing yourself, when you make a list of all the stuff that you're holding on to, all the negativity, and you really process this stuff, whether it's through therapy, whether it's through listening to shows like this, self-help, meditation, whatever you're doing to work on yourself, you know, healing the inner child is a big one. When you do this, you seem to be attractive to other people that are also going through their healing. And in my life, it hasn't always been locally. It hasn't always been someone I've ever connected with. It's just been some random person that I met. And what? You've done that with your life? What? You've healed through that in your life? Me too. How is that possible? How can that happen? I don't know. I mean, I could come up with some analytical thoughts on that. Uh, but why? You know, maybe to make a workbook on it or something, but uh, maybe I will do that. But what I've learned to do is realize that as I work on myself, no matter how this happens and other people work on themselves, that we seem to gravitate toward each other. Like I said, I don't know how this happens. I'll give you one prime example of this, and it's really strange. And she might even be listening now. The day after my divorce was final. I received an email from my first long-term girlfriend and I was shocked because it was the day after <laughs> my divorce was final. Now, she wasn't writing to me to get me back. She wasn't saying, hey, I really want to connect with you again. She just happened to show up in my email inbox the day after my divorce was final. Of all things, I hadn't talked to her in a decade and suddenly she's there. It was so strange to me. And so that's one example Another example is when I was going through the beginnings of my divorce when I was married, my girlfriend experienced something that she can't explain. Uh, she said something like, he's on the way, or she heard a friend say that, he's on the way. And uh, she was like, what are you talking about? And she had been single for a while, and we were talking about the dates, about the things that have happened in our lives up to the time we met. And it was amazing how many coincidences there were. It was amazing. Like when I was going through my separation, she was starting to get these feelings. And when I went through my divorce, she, one of her friends said, oh my God, he's right there. That's the one for you. I mean, it was really strange stuff that happened all before we ever met. I'm on thin ice here because I know, again, this is treading on some beliefs that some people listening may not have. But I'm just asking you to stay open. Stay open to the possibility that when you work on yourself, there might be some sort of magnetivity going on. Something that you are attracting to you. And this isn't the law of attraction type of talk. I mean, it could be, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about no matter what is real, no matter what is true, no matter what you believe, it's still beneficial to always work on yourself. Always. And with an added bonus, as you work on yourself, if this stuff I'm talking about is real, if there's some sort of cosmic law or cosmic attraction that brings people into your life when you heal through certain things and they've healed through certain things, 
then that would be a bonus if you don't want to be alone. And so what I'm talking about in this episode might seem to cater to those that don't want to be alone, because if you do, more power to you. I'm not saying that you have to do this, but I am saying that when you are able to heal through the stuff you're holding on to or the stuff that you really can't let go, whether voluntary or involuntarily, if you have negativity inside of you, some old emotional trauma, some old emotional wounds, working on those inside of you is what gets you the highest quality life and the highest quality relationships. Whether you want to be a platonic or a romantic relationship or just meet someone nice, just someone to talk to every now and then, you get the highest quality relationships because you have worked on yourself. You haven't denied your own personal growth. And one of the reasons you don't end up in dysfunctional relationships after you've done a lot of work on yourself is because you'll recognize the dysfunction when you're not in it. You'll recognize toxic behavior when you're not toxic inside you in some way. When you are able to heal through what you've been holding onto or what doesn't seem to want to release you, depending on how you look at it, when you are willing to work on yourself, when you are willing to heal through some of the hard stuff that maybe you don't even want to address, when you're willing to go through that, take those big steps, you learn so much about yourself and others because how you operate is basically the same as how other people operate. There's a lot of big differences, I agree, but I've learned that once I've gone through healing, and I mentioned that healing to other people, they can so relate to it, whether they're still trying to heal or they've gone through it themselves. And what we can relate to helps us bond and connect and what we've healed from allows us to see what still needs healing in others. And that can be a huge, huge help for healthy relationships. So this episode isn't only focused on people that are alone. This episode will just be to connect with those who are alone, the ones out there that might benefit from this information. Because if it helps you and you've not thought about connecting with somebody else in this way, maybe it will change your life if you want it to change. And if you are alone, I'm with you. I'm connecting with you. I enjoy being with you. I enjoy talking to you. I appreciate you. I told you the story of my mom meeting this guy <laughs> in a parking lot. And uh, no, not really. That's not the whole story. But I'm going to find out more about that story when she writes the book about her life. She's not going to write a book. But what she's going to do is answer some emails every week from StoryWorth. I think they send like one email a week. What they do is they help you connect with different parts of your past. They ask you, who'd you go to the prom with in high school? If you even went to the prom. I never went to the prom. <laughs> what movie was memorable to you as a teenager? Who were you with? Do you remember a, a nice memory with your mom? Do you remember a nice memory with your brother? What was your first kiss like? Some of these might get a little personal, but not all of them. There's a lot to learn 
about someone special in your life that you just don't really remember all the time. And StoryWorth helps you remember these times and asks you in an email, I think it's once a week, and what they do is they take your stories bound into a beautiful keepsake book after one year of questions. And like I said, there's a range of questions. They can elicit entertaining or surprising or even moving responses. Could you imagine having this book available to you, especially after many years after they may have passed, and you have this book to read about this person's life? Or when you're with them, you can open up to any page and you can say, Mom, tell me about this time you met this guy. <laughs> and I can read about it in the book, and then I'll probably have more questions, which I, I know I would. And uh, it gives us something to talk about in a way that brings us closer together. It really bonds us in ways that maybe we didn't have before. And this is one of the things I love about StoryWorth, is that they found a way to take and preserve someone's memories. And as we get older, these memories stay. They are with us forever. They're in this book. You can discover your family history. You can discover all these stories that you didn't know about. Who was this person when they were younger? We often don't know that because maybe we're born after them. Or we have a different life and we just haven't lived their life or heard about their life as much as we want to. So why not give them a gift of sharing their life with you and strengthen your family bond to get to know your loved ones in a whole new way. StoryWorth is just awesome. I highly recommend it. I want you to take advantage of their one-year subscription. You can get $20 off by visiting the website storyworth.com forward slash brain and you'll be giving the gift of a lifetime. This is one of the most unique gifts. It is close to Christmas as I talk about this now. This is the time to think about giving the most unique gift you can. They're going to love it. I even have my girlfriend's mom doing this now. She extended her subscription because she wants to add more to the book. You can do that too. So make it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories. Storyworth.com forward slash brain and get $20 off your first purchase. Storyworth.com forward slash brain. Welcome back. So I made some notes for this particular episode. I really thought I was going to get into what you can do if you are alone and you don't want to be. And this can be helpful. Uh, this isn't necessarily when you're in a relationship or you have a lot of friends and you're not all, you know, not thinking about being alone all the time, but it can be helpful. So I really don't have the cure for being alone. I think it takes a lot of action steps on one's part to not be alone because I'm speaking as an introvert mostly. Uh, I do have extrovert qualities, but as an introvert mostly, I actually enjoy being alone. I appreciate being alone. At the same time, I'm in a relationship. I don't like being alone in the relationship, but what I mean is I like to spend time on my own by myself. I like to spend time being with myself. I think a big part of it, and it's going to sound a little strange, is that I actually like myself. I actually love myself. I think I'm a great guy. That may not mean I'm a great guy. I mean, some people may not think that. But 
I think I'm a great guy. I, and I think you need to feel like you're a great person. I think you need to accept that you're great. And if you don't think you're great, that's one of the things that has to heal. That's one of the things you have to work on. Because you have to love your own company. You really do. I'm just thinking about something my girlfriend might say. Like, well, you love the sound of your own voice. (laughs) I don't mind. (laughs) I don't mind the sound of my own voice. I think I enjoy my own company. I make myself laugh, as you can tell. Because there's nobody else in this room right now. (laughs) And uh, I really appreciate the, the ability to connect with myself. Because I don't have anything to hide from me. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? What do I have to hide from myself? Well, what is hiding from myself? I'm thinking of denial. What am I denying inside of myself? Well, I don't think I'm denying anything. I, I dealt with some jealousy a while back. And uh, when I was younger, I was possessive. And uh, when I was younger, I was also emotionally abusive. And there's other things that I had to work through and heal through and figure out in order to enjoy myself. But I think that's a great way to look at it. Imagine meeting someone like you that had the qualities that you have, but they were hiding something from you. They were maybe denying something in themselves. And you saw what they were denying. You could tell what they were hiding from in themselves. And you knew that person could be so much happier if they chose not to hide from what they need to heal from. If they chose not to deny what's going on inside of them. That person could be so much happier. You pointing at yourself over there. He or she could be so much happier if they just addressed this, if they just got through it, if they just healed through it. And I'm not saying all traumas and uh, old abuse or old neglect is easy to heal from. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying flip a switch and you're healed. I'm saying you're constantly working on yourself. You're constantly doing everything you can to bring it up, to be addressed. Even though some of the stuff, it hurts. Some of the stuff is painful. Some of the stuff that we've been through in our lives, we don't want to talk about with anyone. We don't want to think about. We just want to get past it. We just want to live this next day without it. I understand that. I understand that completely. There's a lot of pain, but I like the compound approach. The compound approach is when you do a little bit every day. You know what? I'm going to bring it up today just a little bit just a little bit, and find some aspect of it that I can release or process or think differently about. Because often we take old trauma and we think about it the same way over and over again. Oh, that shouldn't have happened. I wish that didn't happen. I feel so bad about that. I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. I feel hurt. I feel unloved. I feel hated. I feel stupid. Whatever these thoughts or feelings that you're carrying around, let's bring them up. You know, my disclaimer at the beginning of the show, you might have to do this through therapy with a professional, but, you know, do this in small pieces on your own if you can, too. Bring it up just a little bit. But then you might think, oh, that'll open up a Pandora's box. Well, if it's that powerful, then it definitely needs addressing. You definitely have to work through it and heal through it and figure it out and process it and hopefully release it. I think a lot of what holds us back in life are the fears or the pain any of the trauma that we're holding on to, a lot of that holds us back and we're afraid to do things for ourselves. There's still something inside of us that we need to address. We need to get rid of that toxicity, whatever it is. 
And if you don't even know what it is, that, that happens too. Some people are carrying around things that they don't even know what it is. This is my little tip for that is just remember a time before the trauma, before the pain, before the hurt, that uh, you didn't feel it. And I've asked this question before, but when was that? Was there a time in your life that you didn't feel this way? And some people will say, no, I've always felt this way. And you know what? That might be true. I wouldn't take that truth away from you. If that's what you feel, then that's what it is. And then I ask you to consider the unconsiderable. I know that's not a word, but just think about a time before this life that you didn't feel bad, that you didn't feel hurt, that you didn't feel pain. Think about a time in another life that you lived. Think about a time in another body that you lived. I know this is going back to the spiritual stuff, but this isn't about spirituality. It's about how your brain processes information. Because sometimes our brain doesn't want this information, doesn't want to deal with it, and sticks it somewhere else. Where does it go? If you can't remember what you're trying to heal from, it must go somewhere. So let's just test it. Let's just see if it's another life, you know, reincarnation, you know, if you believe that. How about in your grandfather or your grandmother? Maybe he or she dealt with it. Maybe they have the pain too and it was passed down in your DNA. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know people are saying that right now. That's ridiculous. But what if it worked? What if you really did decide to think back to a point before the pain and you went back so far that you didn't feel the pain anymore or the hurt or the trauma or whatever it is? What if you did go back there and you found some place that you did feel pretty good? That might feel different. That might be a change. You know, I learned about timeline stuff in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and it taught me that often our trauma is based in time. And when the question comes up, how did it feel before the trauma? You actually have to, what they call, try on that state. You have to try on what it's like to be without the trauma. Well, what's that like? I don't know if I've ever felt that. Well, what would it be like without that trauma? What, if, what would it be like if that never happened? Well, that's a different feeling. And being in that feeling right now, before it ever happened, how would you like to hold on to that feeling? Because you can. There's more to it, but that's what I'm saying, is that when you consider that time affects trauma, like when it happened and what happened before that, and what happened before that, then don't get stuck at the beginning of your life. Go further back in time. How far back can you go? That's deep and it's therapeutic and I don't want to get into it too much here. And there's a lot to learn about that. But it can be helpful to know that maybe, maybe what you're holding on to isn't necessarily something that you actually experienced in this lifetime. Oh my God, I'm really pushing on that thin ice, really trying to crack it. <laughs> this is the personal growth show for critical thinkers and I'm pushing people over the edge. I know it, but if it works, if your brain is willing to go there just for a half a millisecond, you might actually find a state of mind back there, an emotional place that feels better than what you're carrying around. If you are, yeah, some people might be listening. I'm not carrying that around. That's good. You don't have to do this exercise. It's just there if you need it. But what I was starting to say at the beginning of the segment is that uh, what can we do if we're alone? What can we do? Especially like me. I'm an introvert. Don't like to leave the house too much. And when I do, I don't really talk to people because I don't know what to say. You wouldn't think that about me, but uh, I like to keep to myself. 
I, I really do. I like to keep to myself. But sometimes I'll find someone that has gone through some healing in their life and it just seems like they're easier to talk to. And maybe I'm just meeting a lot of people that still need healing or maybe I'm meeting a lot of people that are uninteresting <laughs> or maybe I'm meeting people that are very interesting and I'm uninteresting <laughs> to them at least. It goes both ways. Who knows? But there are things I believe you can do. I'm going to get into the practical side of this now. Uh, one is to get out of the house. I'm guilty because I get lazy and I already have someone in my life anyway and we're hermits. So we both work from home. It is a little bit harder to get out of the house, but we also enjoy each other's company. But if I was alone, I would have to get out of the house. I would have to leave because I would never meet anyone if I didn't. I do believe that if you stay in the house, you're really not going to meet the perfect person because they're not going to be so magnetized to you that they're going to knock on your door and say, hey, you've been thinking about someone like me? I don't think it works that way. So getting out of the house is a huge head start. <laughs> and the next thing is do something you really love to do. Either do it alone or with others that love doing that thing too. And what I mean by that is when you go out and do something that you like with other people that like the same thing and are doing that same thing, you're going to have a lot to talk about. You're going to have a lot in common. And that's helpful. I mean, that could be anything. That could be Playing a musical instrument, like you go to the guitar store and you sit down and you see someone else playing a guitar. Hey, want to jam together someday? Great. That could happen, and I'm sure it does. How about dancing? You go dancing. Hey, you like dancing too? Let's go out next week and go dancing too. Great. How about kayaking? Let's go kayaking. You're going to meet people on the stream that you're kayaking on or the lake or whatever. Hey, you're kayaking? How often do you do this? This is great. How about board games or video games? You can connect with people doing that. Biking, you go bicycling or get a motorcycle. I mean, I could go on and on with the list, but you know what I'm saying? You go out and you do something that you like to do and you meet other people doing that same thing that they like to do and you both like the same things. It's hard not to meet people like that. Now, I don't recommend getting together with people that only like to watch movies. I mean, you can and I'm not putting it down, but then your focus is on the movie the whole time and you're barely getting to know each other. Now, if you go out afterward and you talk about the movie, totally different, totally different. But I've noticed even with our close friends, when we all connect and go to a movie together, I wonder to myself, well, why are these people even here? I'm just watching the movie. Not that it's not a good thing to have them there. I enjoy their company. And I enjoy their energy and we can talk every now and then, but the movie's playing. So it's harder to bond and connect. Maybe something like a trivia night at a bar or something. That might be fun too, if you're into that scene. So another thing, and I've, like I said, I wrote a few of these things down. Uh, find something that you wouldn't normally do. Go online, look at meetup.com and other sites that are in your area and start doing things with others. You can start your own meetups. Like when I was living in New Hampshire, I started a meetup on personal growth stuff. I wanted to talk about personal growth with people. And a few people came and that slowly dissolved because I had no direction for it. I had no topics to discuss. I just wanted to find out what would happen. And a few people came and then we all kind of dissipated. Uh, but it wasn't specific enough. I've, I've noticed that when meetups are more specific, like, hey, we're going to talk about board games. Hey, we're going to talk about knitting. Hey, we're going to talk about watching sports on TV. If it's more specific, then you usually get people to connect with that are more into the things that you're into. But these sites exist. There are other sites like Meetup that will help you find things to do. 
And it's good to try new things because you might try something that you never tried before and suddenly you meet someone that's really cool and really nice. And that would be great too. And again, you can start your own meetup. If you have an interest, start your own meetup and then suddenly people are looking for that and you'll connect with them. These are just practical ideas. You know, I'm not trying to say what you need to do here, but if you are out of ideas, I'm just going to throw these at you. Do what you want with these. I uh, just got about three or four more. I like to find things that are challenging to everyone in the group. And a good example of that is when I did martial arts, that was challenging to everyone that did it. And so when you find something that might be challenging, like uh, yoga could be in that category, you know, yoga can be challenging and, you know, certain aspects of yoga. And uh, that is sort of a workout for me, at least. And when I do yoga, it can be challenging and it gives me a sense of accomplishment, gives me a sense of pride that I'm moving and I'm doing something with my body. And these other people, you have a shared accomplishment, a shared goal almost, and you can connect in that way as well. So I like to find things that are challenging for everyone because when you have a shared challenge, you tend to bond more. Like I remember doing 24 hours of exercise. <laughs> it was literally 24 hours in a row of exercise with some breaks here and there uh, with my martial arts group when I was younger. And during and after, we bonded so well. We all looked at each other and we were high-fiving each other. We felt so connected, so close and it was because we shared that challenge. And so I think that's a great way to look at a challenging situation, not as something that's going to bother you, but as something that when you achieve it with others, it's a bonding experience. So that's just an idea. Another one is join a mastermind or other group of like-minded people that are moving toward similar goals. For example, I just created two masterminds, one for a small group of business, business owners and one for anyone that can join. The small group is a paid group, but the anyone can join the free one. But when you're in a mastermind, uh, what you get to do is mingle and connect with like-minded people. The masterminds I created for business owners, but there are other masterminds that you can create yourself or join. You can look them up, mastermind on whatever your interest is. Typically, masterminds are good for business owners, entrepreneurs, and freelancers. Uh, but you can find support groups. You can find similar things like that, that everyone experiences similar challenges in their life. Uh, everyone's on the same path. They're looking for similar outcomes as you. And you'll get to share back and forth what you're going through. You'll get to share what you've learned along the way. And they share with you. And it's all about supporting each other and helping you learn and grow and get to a better place in yourself. So the mastermind concept is really awesome. I love masterminds and they've always, always helped me, especially business wise, but also in my life. Like the overwhelmed brain started because of a mastermind. My podcast started because of a mastermind. So it's really, really cool stuff. Uh, and it is for a specific type of people. But again, it doesn't have to be a mastermind. It can be any interest. Uh, usually you can find a lot of these on Facebook, like in Facebook groups. And once you start connecting with these people, you don't feel so alone. You feel like, wow, people finally understand me. They understand what I'm going through. And definitely at minimum, this is the last one, join a Facebook group or similar group that's centered around things that you like to talk about. Because like I said, at minimum, when you are around people that like what you like and are going through the things that you like to go through and doing the things that you like to do, you finally connect with people that understand you. That's the best feeling in the world to be understood. 
I think that's one of Stephen Covey's seven habits is that people seek to be understood. And when you feel understood, you feel welcome. You feel liked. You feel like someone cares. That's a good, good feeling. And that's why sometimes you do have to leave the house and find things that people are doing that you like to do as well. Get involved so you'll connect, not necessarily to force friendships, but just to be around people that are like you in some way. And then friendships will form naturally. So I started off with some emotional intelligence and I went into spirituality and then I went into practical stuff in this segment. And uh, I hope this rounds the episode up well because we're about to go. We're about to end the show. I am so glad you joined me today. Thank you for that. I'll have my final words after my thank yous and goodbyes coming up very shortly. In the meantime, I just want to let you know that I'm glad that you're here. If you are alone, then I'm so glad that we got a chance to connect today. I'm so glad that you gave me the opportunity to enter into your realm, into your reality, and be heard by you and hopefully understood by you. And I hope that you know that I want to understand you too. I validate you. I care about you. I appreciate you. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our sponsor, StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com forward slash brain and get $20 off your first purchase. Give the gift of a lifetime. And I want to thank the patron members over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. If you're a patron member, you are helping to support this show. And I hope you feel like you're getting value from the patron site as well. I have about 100, uh, maybe 90 plus episodes in there, plus a video archive, plus some free workbooks and some discounts off my workbooks and my coaching. So if you want any of that stuff, head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And I want to thank the existing patron members because you are helping run the show. You're helping keeping it going. I appreciate you so much. Thank you again. And I also want to remind you of loveandabuse.com. That's my other podcast. If you are experiencing any type of difficult relationship and you're not sure why uh, it's so difficult and you can't seem to navigate through it and you can't seem to figure it out and you're just pulling your hair out uh, and it just seems like it might be a little harder than it should be, loveandabuse.com might give you the answers. And uh, listen to the podcast, check out the blog. I've transcribed a lot of the podcasts. It's still being transcribed. And uh, I hope that you get some value from that as well. Loveandabuse.com. I also want to remind you of the safe system for anxiety over at quietbegins.com. You should not have to experience anxiety. I don't want you to go through that stress and strife. So check it out at quietbegins.com if you are experiencing anxiety and you want someone to hold your hand through it and get you through it and bring you to a more peaceful place inside. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And it's funny, I know I said I love you a few times in this episode, and you probably won't hear me say that again because some people are uncomfortable, some people are going to think I'm weird, and I just don't say it that much. <laughs> but it reminded me of a time when I worked, it was in my 20s, I worked with this guy, probably upper 30s, maybe early 40s, really nice guy and very upfront, former military, 
uh, just said what was on his mind and didn't mind being, um, how can I say this, an A word, an A-H-O-L-E. And uh, he didn't mind doing that because it wasn't like he was doing it on purpose just to be a jerk. He was actually just direct. He was direct and assertive. And when you were being nice and respectful, he was too. But if he had a problem with you, you'd know about it. (laughs) But one day where he was, um, I think, leaving the company, one day he said, you know, I told someone that I loved them. And when it came out of my mouth, I thought, what did I just say? Because he was talking about a friend of his. And, And I said, well, you know, that sounds normal to say I love you. And he said, yeah, but it's so strange to hear myself say that. And I had to think about it. You know, do I really mean that? I love you? Because the person he was talking about was a girl. And it was a girl that worked for him. And so he felt a little awkward because he said it. But then he thought about it for a while and said, you know, Paul, I love you too. (laughs) And I said, well, okay. And I didn't know what to say because I was in my 20s and it felt weird. But uh, he said that, and I said, well, I guess, I guess I love you too. I never thought about it. And it was strange because, you know, he was my boss, and it was just a strange thing to talk about. But I think he was coming to terms with being able to say that to someone and not feel awkward about it. And he had to also realize that he said it to a woman that works for him, and he realized maybe he crossed the line. And so he had to think about this stuff and be reflective on it. And he did. He was re- he was reflective. And he came to that conclusion that, well, I love you too. And it's a different kind of love. It's a kinship. It's a caring. It's compassion. It's a bonding that we developed over the years. And so hearing someone say that they love you can mean so many things. And like I said, he realized he may have crossed the line and told a woman that when he shouldn't have. Uh, But at the same time, he decided that, you know, it was okay to say that. Okay, I screwed up. I shouldn't have said that to her. But it's not a bad word. It's not a bad thing to love someone. And so we talked about that and we had conversations about it. And it made me more comfortable with love. I mean, I had no problem loving someone or telling them I loved them. But to say it to just anyone, that's kind of why I said that to you. I wanted two things out of that. I wanted to know that, A, I was comfortable with saying it to someone I never met. I mean, that's really strange, right? What, you love me? How could you love me? If you haven't tuned out already after I said that, now I'm addressing it. So if you were wondering if I was ever going to address this, yes, people out there are going to say, "What? how could you love me? You don't even know me. You don't even know what I've done. Or you don't even know what I'm capable of. I mean, that may not be what they say. They might just say, that's just weird to hear it. It's just weird to hear someone say that they love me. Uh, Well, the reason I say it is because my definition of love, if you've heard this show over and over again, I've said the same definition, is supporting the other person's happiness. Supporting their path to happiness. Supporting their decisions, even if you disagree with them. That's why I said it. That's why I have no problem emoting that. That's why I have no problem saying, yes, I love you. And the reason I can say that easily is because I do support your path to happiness. 
I want you to be happy. I want you to find things that make you happy and make decisions that make you happy and move you in a direction that makes you feel more peaceful and comfortable if that's what you want. And when you do things that I may not agree with, it doesn't matter because love transcends that. That sounds really weird, but love gets beyond that. My definition of love gets me beyond that because if I really care about you and I really care about your happiness and you do things that I disagree with, my discomfort or disagreement does not make me care any less. And I think that's important in this world. If we can disagree with someone, can we allow that disagreement and not care less or not allow it to affect how much we care, how much we love, how much we support others? If you can support other people's happiness, if you can love them even though you disagree, if you can show compassion toward them even though they're doing things that you are completely against, then maybe you found a definition of love that works for you as well. For me, supporting your happiness is on the top of my list. Supporting anyone's happiness is the top of my list. This is why I'm probably easier to get along with than most people because when you say something I disagree with, I don't call you a jerk. I just say, oh, I disagree with that, but you know what? I support your path if that works for you. Whatever works for you. That frees both of us up, doesn't it? I mean, if you say that to someone, I disagree with that, but you know, if that works for you, then I fully support it. Wow. What a way to strengthen a bond if they feel the same way. Because they may say, what, you disagree with that? And they may not like that. But if you can stand your ground and love someone, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their perspective, regardless of their, and you know where I'm going here, their politics, regardless of their values, regardless of what they choose to do with their life or with the people in it, if you can still show them that you love them and you support their happiness, you open the door for friendship. You open the door for caring and compassion. You keep that door open. That's how that works. And I'm not saying you have to stick around people that are doing things that you don't like or that you're against. If they truly are not really healthy for you and they're doing things that you wholly disagree with and it's affecting your life, then you might need to get away from them. You might need to tell them that, you know, your your values aren't in alignment with their values and you need to step away because you don't want certain things in your life and you support whatever works for them. But it doesn't work for me. So I'm going to be over here from this point on. And they may not like that. They may be okay with it. It doesn't matter. Not that you're a bigger person, but you are open to having some sort of relationship if you can ever meet in a mutually beneficial loving space. So whatever you think of love and how you define it, you know, the word love may not work for you the way I'm talking about it. And that's okay because I fully support how you define it. I'm just letting you know how I define it so nobody gets weirded out. <laughs> it's really good to connect with you though. I'm so glad you made it this far. I'm so glad you made it to the end of the show because this is the best part. This is where I tell you to make sure that you keep an open mind so that you can step into your power and this will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. I fully support that. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, 
And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.